Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Okay, we're lucky enough, privileged enough, and we're going to have a good time with Brad Parker, uh, who has uh, ParkerLawFirm.com, really good guy in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, and uh, is a trial lawyer, uh, representing the good people out there in Texas, and uh, just want to welcome you to uh, the podcast, Brad. Well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate you having me, having me participate with you. So, times yeah, yeah, so here we are. It's, um, you know, uh, is it May 11th today? It is. Yeah, it seems like it's just day. You know, there's, there's you know, no weekends, just days. But so May 11th. So, uh, Brad, tell me exactly um, what's going on with you. You said you're getting a haircut tomorrow? Yeah, you know, it, we're right in the middle of the pandemic. And, uh, for better or for worse, uh, our governor has decided to reopen, and uh, it's kind of questionable. We're, we're in the middle of our highest counts uh, right now of any time that we've had for infection and death rates, both in Tarrant and Dallas County. But the hair salons are opening, and uh, the woman who's cut my hair for uh, many, many years has agreed to let me come in and trim a little of this off. <laughs> it's gotten a little yeah. crazy. I might even go yeah, back further yeah. and get a razor too. You know. Yeah, are you gonna get the beard cut too? Well, I may get it trimmed up. I've said I told her when I was gonna go till June first with the beard and see what. Okay. It All right. So hey, listen, Brad. Um, you know, I, I know your story. It's a great story, and I want I want to be able to get it out. Um, you know, so, some folks listen to these podcasts for about fifteen minutes, and then if it's really engaging, they last for thirty, then forty-five. But let's get that first fifteen minutes. One story that I really like about you is that um, your, you know, your story about how you found your your calling in in the law, but but also how you had kind of an orthodox move in high school, from high school to college. Could you just explain a little bit about that? Uh, well, I, uh, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer ever since I was in about sixth grade because things didn't happen to me, but. Um, I was I was going through high school and I was tired of high school and I thought man if I don't get out of high school I'm going to die on the vine so I went to summer school graduated a full year early and I saved up some money and I bought a pickup truck with a camper I fixed the camper all up had a little closet and bed and storage and stuff and I just basically took off for about a year traveling around uh working a little bit traveling a little bit and uh seeing life and being a being a bum, if you want, not really a bum because I was working too, but uh, just to, uh, kind of just traveled around and really enjoyed it. Did uh, do Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, then spent a lot of time in Florida, then back up in New Mexico. I lived in New Mexico for a couple of months uh, as well. So, and then South Texas, just had a blast. 
You know, I, I think that's such a great story, a coming of age story, because, you know, it seems like it, that would benefit a lot of, you know, kids when they get out of high school is just to get out and see how unbelievably cool this country is. And, but also, you know, get the independence as far as like learning how to live, how to get a job, how do you, you know, and I know that you, you grew up uh, really young. I, it, why don't you tell folks what your first job was? Well, my, uh, my, I became a journeyman electrician. My very first job though was inserting A section of the newspaper or B section of the newspaper into A section at the Carrollton Chronicle and Farmer's Branch Times back when uh, in the 70s when I was going to junior high school. And uh, so I've always worked, uh, constantly worked. Uh, got caught uh, skipping school in order to work, in fact, <laughs> at that job. And uh, then I went on to my pizza career. I was a night manager of a pizza hut uh, when I turned 14. I had a fake ID made so I could uh, pass through scrutiny. You had to be 16 to work there. So I, I guess I looked a little older and the fake ID didn't hurt. So I uh, did, did that. But I then became a journeyman electrician by the time I was 17. I, my dad was an electrical contractor. And that's how I put myself through uh, both college and law school. And, and those are the odd jobs I had that uh, year that I took off traveling around the country. I'd go work and wire a few houses, get on as a helper or, or a, a foreman on a job and work for a few days, a couple of weeks, earn a little cash, then move on down the line. And uh, it, it was a heck of a great experience. It, uh, it sure taught me I, I better go to school because I didn't want to be out there uh, wiring houses for the rest of my life. Yeah, I know that you, you told me one time that you were like underneath houses wiring them and it was like 100 degrees outside and, and it was like, well, the, you know what, I, I, it kind of, this education thing may, may be a little bit better than I think. It, it might work. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's totally good. Fun. That's good. So, hey, listen, um, so, you know, I'm a big fan and believer that a lot of kids should get into the trades. Um, because, you know, they can build America, you know, build our infrastructure, build our buildings, build our homes, build, build businesses, that type of thing, and also maintain them. And so, you know, I'm really, it's really cool that you have that both ways. You have your ability to actually do that wiring, do all that stuff and be a journeyman electrician, even at an early age like that. And then now you're a lawyer and you're able to, to represent those folks understand exactly what they do well i i I too am a big believer in in trades college isn't for everybody and especially now i mean uh if you follow how much college costs for these young young adults to go through and they become they come out of there with huge debt and the jobs that they get may not even pay uh the, the the debt down to any significant degree and there are so many things that young kids, young adults can get into to support themselves and their families and have a very, very good career. And I too have uh, become very involved with the uh, HEB, which is our local school district, Hearst Euless Bedford uh, School District and, and adopted a school that uh, uh, primarily caters to uh, the, the kids who kind of like myself, uh, if you didn't get out of school quick, you weren't gonna, you weren't gonna do well there and you'd flounder and uh, really encourage the kids to, to move on to a trade school or junior college or something. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there 
I don't want to ever discourage anyone from getting a college degree. I think it's a, it's a fantastic thing to have, but uh, there are a lot of other things and college isn't right for everybody. That's, there's no question about it. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that, that, um, that I think is that every young person, you know, they get, they get a lot of dignity and they, they get, they get, they, they develop a sense of self-reliance and they develop a sense of pride where they can actually make something or do something that benefits somebody else yeah. like a trade. And, you know, that, that basis, that, that, that basically that you can do something that's useful to people and can see relatively quickly that, you know, you go to somebody's house and you fix something. That's it. That's, that's worth a lot, isn't it? I think it is. You know, there's great satisfaction of being able to work with your hands and, and, uh, and when you get back, you step back and go, Hey, I just did that. I completed that. I, uh, that, that's mine. So Brad, tell me about some of your, you, you know, the, so we'll move, move beyond that now. So Brad's got a great law firm. He is uh, one of the leading trial lawyers in Texas. In fact, I think he was the president of the trial lawyers in Texas and is a guy that has, is not afraid to take on, uh, really, really tough cases and really, um, powerful forces. Um, so why don't you tell us about a few uh, important cases in your career that you've had so far, Brad? Well, they're, they're, they're all very important, as you well know. Uh, some yeah. of them are a little more high profile than others. Uh, I've, I've handled a lot of uh, what I call uh, one-offs or, or odd kind of cases, not your typical uh, uh, car wreck or trucking accident. You know, early on in my career, I, I was honored to be able to represent a woman who had been sexually, uh, had been the, I guess the best way to say it is that there was a sexual predator who happened to also be the minister of one of the largest Methodist churches in the country, uh, Fort Worth United Methodist Church. He had over the course of uh, about two decades, two to three decades, uh, continually uh, sexually assaulted women uh, through the guise of counseling. You know, he would prey on women who were uh, going through very difficult times in their life, whether it be from um, divorce or, or, or whatever, but he would find vulnerable women and uh, counsel them and then sexually exploit them. And we, we caught him. Nobody in, in the whole community could believe that this story was true. And as we started representing the, the women who would come out and come out and come out, it was just like, Oh my God, another one. And so that went on for, for a number of years and we, we got a nice little verdict against, against him. And uh, ultimately the church as well uh, resolved the claims. But uh, that was very satisfying. We tried that case for six weeks and uh, actually had a jury verdict and ultimately a judgment. Uh, that of course was a, a very difficult but, but I don't want to say fun is necessarily the right right word, but it was extremely satisfying uh, to, to be able to help uh, the different women come through this. And that was long, long before the Me Too movement. This was back in the late 90s. Uh, another case we've had in the past was, uh, ironically, another strong community member, uh, a billionaire in this community, uh, basically was raided by the IRS. The uh, He... Uh, uh, the allegations were he basically blamed his uh, secretary who he'd been having an affair with for a number of years and uh, scooted her off to California. And then when the authorities found her, 
he had her indicted for cooking the books. She was no build on that. We sued him for malicious prosecution. And after a couple of years of litigation going up and down the appellate trail, uh, we were successful in getting that case resolved. And, but it was, uh, again, one of those things that uh, we didn't hesitate to, to go knock heads with whoever it was. I mean, just because you have billions of dollars doesn't make you immune from uh, being a good person and doing what's right. And uh, that's just all we try to do is hold those who have harmed others accountable for their actions. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we've had some, some good success doing that over the years. That's great. Hey, so, you know, um, folks that listen to this podcast, they, they want to learn something. So can you tell me, um, other than just hard work, what are some habits that you have that make you successful? I mean, is it, you know, your personal habits? Is it when you wake up? Is it how you start work? You know, what, what are the things that you do that make you successful, Brad? You know, I heard uh, General McRaven speak the other day. Uh, you know, he made the comment or ob the observation that you need to make your bed every morning. And, uh, you know, I laugh, but that is so true. I, I think uh, starting off your day in a neat and orderly fashion, make your bed. I know it sounds silly, but it's so important. You come home, you feel together, you feel... Uh, like you, you, you not left any loose sands. I've, I've had days where I don't make the bed in the morning and <laughs> come home and make it. Now that's, that's trivial in, in all respects, but I think it's just doing what you love, finding whatever it is that you love and what motivates you in life uh, to where you want to pop out of bed in the morning. You don't want to sleep in because if you're doing what you love, you'll never work a day in your life or so they say. And I really truly love what I do. It uh, doesn't mean it's easy, doesn't mean it's not hard at times, and it's difficult, depending upon what we're doing. But I think the most important trait that you can have is finding uh, the love and passion in your life that, that propels you into whatever it is, whether it's building widgets, wiring houses, practicing law, practicing medicine, uh, cooking pizzas. I mean, whatever it is you love, if you find it, then you can be successful. Tell me about some of the, you know, you know, we've been about two months, two and a half months, maybe into this COVID, uh, you know, thing. what have you guys been, you know, what has your firm been doing during this time to, to make a difference or, you know, to, to basically keep your business afloat? Well, a couple of different things. We, uh, I have a legal assistant, uh, right hand person has been with me for 23 years. She's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I'm just so lucky to have her and so fortunate to have found her over the years. Uh, but she, she does all the administrative details and we, she's had us up and running. Uh, we are all working from home, which has been a very uh, interesting concept, uh, something that I didn't think would really work and it's worked marvelously well for us. And uh, there are several folks in my firm who I think will continue to work from home. I think they're just more productive, believe it or not. But uh, we've, we've not really lost much of a step in that regard. But I've also used this time to reach out and, and, uh, to my community and to spend a little bit of time uh, just calling people, what do you need? Are you doing okay? Uh, doing some videos, doing social media to help promote uh, Six Stones, which is a, uh, a nonprofit here in this area that helps feed those that are less fortunate and uh, uh, as well as provide clothing and, and other types of necessities for people who may be down on their luck. And of course, there are a lot of people down on their luck right now, uh, especially in the restaurant and service industry uh, that have been just shut out. 
uh, we, we've tried to uh, advertise, if you will, through social postings, uh, the other businesses that are, are still staying open, such as car mechanics and uh, uh, cleaners and, and other things, uh, to help promote, let people know that this restaurant, you go up and get curbside service, that you can still take your car in and, and get the brakes fixed, uh, uh, trying to promote it, because everybody is taking a hit. I just feel very, very fortunate that my firm hasn't, as of yet, taken a significant hit. Uh, we're, we're able to continue to work. We can't go to trial right now, but uh, we're still able to take depositions, attend hearings, push cases forward. And so uh, I want to try to reach out and help those who aren't as fortunate as I've been. Yeah, you know, um, just following it, I mean, I read the national news every day. And, um, and you know, the estimates are pretty grim as far as um, a lot of the folks in the restaurant industry, you know, every industry that, that is, you know, that is human touch oriented. And um, they're saying that it's a third to a half of these small businesses are going to to fail or you know be basically fatally killed here. Um, what is your? Tell me about your where you what's your plan for the next five years for Parker Law Firm and ParkerLawFirm.com. What what is what's your plan to to really uh, move ahead? You know, for the next five years. Well, it's the same same thing as I'm doing right now. Uh, plug it away. We really have a um, I want to call it a, a boutique. Uh, practice here. Uh, I'm not a big mill type guy. I don't have hundreds of cases coming in. Don't do whiplash, those kinds of things. Uh, not, nothing wrong with it, just not what I do. Uh, we're very, very selective in the cases that we take. Uh, you know, I've been doing this now for, uh, for almost 35 years, and uh, I don't see myself ever retiring, although uh, I certainly don't mind slowing down a little bit and uh, uh, playing a little more golf and traveling. Uh, I want to uh, mentor to the attorneys that, that work for me and uh, uh, help them and allow them to, to develop in their, their skills and their, their uh, trade, uh, become better lawyers to the extent that I can help them do that. But uh, I just want to continue to help people. I, I, I know that sounds a little corny to some, but that's what I really truly do. And uh, uh, as you do yourself, I want to be able to help those who've been harmed by, and I, I call it the, the negligence or just pure stupidity of other people or businesses or insurance companies, so that they get on back with their life and uh, put, put things uh, ahead of them. Nobody's ever completely made whole in the tort process, but you can certainly help ease uh, the stress and the financial difficulties uh, that are often uh, encountered with severe and disabling injuries. So, um, uh, Brad, maybe you could tell me some folks in, in your life that have been, you know, great role models for you or, or folks that, that, you know, kind of helped you get, get to where you're at right now. You know, um, <laughs> there, there, there's been a lot. Uh, I didn't come through the, the process maybe the way uh, a lot of people do. I kind of went through the school of hard knocks and, and stubbornness. But uh, Broadus Spivey was one of my true mentors early on uh, in my career. Broadus is a legendary trial attorney here in Texas. And uh, I had the good fortune of, of working with him on some cases earlier on in my career. And he helped guide me uh, significantly. Uh, another uh, mentor, I worked for a large uh, law firm when I first came out of law school. I 
wanted to be a litigator. Little did I know that a litigator doesn't ever go to trial. It doesn't help people. They help banks and insurance companies. I wanted to help people. But he came in, one of the partners came in to me one day who I was working under and he, uh, he encouraged me. I don't know if he was trying to get rid of me or if he was really uh, interested in, in my future, but he asked me, he says, Brad, how many hours do you think you can work in a year? And what's the most that you think you could ever bill for those hours? And he says, well, I want you to know then that's the most that you'll ever be able to make in your, in your life. And if you really are committed to wanting to help people, uh, you need to figure a way because people can't afford you. You know, somebody that gets hurt can't afford to pay by the hour. He goes, you need to get into the personal injury line and help people where you can work on a contingency fee basis and hopefully make a nice income for yourself and help others while you want to do it because you'll never help other people staying here. And uh, that was instrumental in, and uh, really opened my eyes uh, as to he knew better than what I did uh, as, as to how I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. So that, right. that was very instrumental. And then, of course, my dad. I mean, my dad's just a hardworking guy. Uh, he's always instilled the uh, work ethic in me and uh, was always on me to uh, uh, move forward, move up, and move better. And uh, so, I mean, that was obviously very instrumental in my life as well. So um, you've obviously been given a lot of gifts. Um, and you're, you know, I've, I've known Brad for a while and, you know, instantly can speak, you know, got the gift of gab, can speak to somebody and, and reach to them and makes them feel comfortable. Why don't you tell us some, you know, some defining moments in your career or your personal life that, that basically you recognized, hey, you know, I, I can only not only make a difference, but make a huge difference in somebody's life or, or I, I can really do this. What, do you have any defining moments? I know there's a, probably a lot of them, but one or two maybe? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I mentioned earlier that uh, I knew since the sixth grade that I wanted to be a lawyer. And uh, of course, you know, at that time, lawyer is a concept. It's not real. It's just, it's a word like doctor. And uh, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, but the defining moment for me was I was stuffing those newspapers and I, I cut my finger pretty good. And uh, I couldn't get the medical help to fix my finger. I cut some tendon, I cut a tendon in it. And uh, finally got through the workers' comp system uh, to get the right medical care and treatment for it. And uh, works good as new now. But back at the time, it really dawned on me that, uh, wow, somebody like me is powerless. And, and I don't know where to turn, how to turn, or, or even if I should turn. And I recognized right then and there that uh, being a lawyer, being there to be able to help people, even if it's a case that I can't take or wouldn't take, I can direct you. I can tell you what you need to do. And many times that's all anybody really needs is it's the old adage of, you know, you take your car in to get the uh, motor worked on because it's, it's hesitating and everything. And the, the mechanic opens up the hood and he turns one screw and it starts running just like a sewing machine. And he charges you 55 bucks. You go 55 bucks for turning a screw. He says, no, 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 no. He, he goes, it's just five bucks for turning the screw. It's fifty dollars to know which screw to turn, and uh, that's that's so true. And what we do is that oftentimes people just don't know. Uh, obviously, helping the the women that we were able to help in the uh, sexual exploitation trial was huge. That that impacted me in so many different ways and really opened my eyes as to uh, everything's not easy. 
Every, a lot of stuff is extremely difficult, uh, but you can have an impact uh, if you if you have the right client, have the right case, and and have the determination and belief uh, to pursue it, and and just the the will and the and the uh, work ethic to pursue it. You can you can make a difference and hold people accountable. That that was huge, huge, huge for me. And then um, you know there's just been so many just uh, helping people who then turn around and come back and say thank you. Uh, I mean, hug your neck and say thank you or come back up two or three years from now and, and show me the, the kid that they had just had and uh, want me to meet them or just coming by to say hello, just out and about. That's, that's huge. Uh, and it makes you realize and understand uh, you've helped somebody and they don't forget it and, and they're very thankful. And that's, uh, that's very rewarding to me. That's great. So listen, if you're listening to this and you're in Texas, uh, you know, um, give, give Brad a call. Just Google Brad Parker, parkerlawfirm.com. You'll get a hold of him. But, you know, the thing is that, that, that I really like is, you know, you could talk to Brad for a half hour, an hour on anything, consultation, whatever. You're not going to get a bill. You're going to get a, you're going to get the right way to go and figure out which, which screw to turn. Right. That's, that's, that's the exactly way you look right. at it, right? That's exactly right. I can help you do well, that. Then good day. Well, that's awesome. So, listen, hey, Brad, I, I'm hoping that that we can connect with you later uh, down the line. You know, all the great work you're doing in the community. The one thing I like about uh, being a lawyer is that we're advocates. So we're advocates in the courtroom, but hopefully we're we're more than just that. And you can just see, you know, um, you know, with Brad, you know, this this whole bad thing happened with uh, coronavirus and COVID whole thing and he's out there promoting his community's businesses his his friends and trying to help them out and, and I think you know that's that's great Brad and, and keep that up and and can we check in with you in, in a year or two and just see how things are going down the line I'd be disappointed if you didn't absolutely <laughs> well thank you so much for your time Brad I, you know what I, I always have a smile on my face when I'm talking to you you're one of the nicest guys ever and and you know what if you need a fierce competitor on your side a guy that's going to be loyal going to be hardworking, then Brad Parker's your guy. Well, Joe, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Uh, it. It's been a blast getting to know you over the last uh, few years, and uh, I know you're doing the same thing up there as I'm doing down here, and uh, I know uh, you, you're providing a great benefit to your community as well. Thanks for having me. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.